1: Welcome back to the official SEC Slow Smoke Podcast. I'm not Alex. Uh, That was a bad impersonation of him. Uh, I'm Holt. Holt Smash, as uh, some people have called me at times in my life. I'm also joined by the one and only Tinder king of Memphis, JB. JB, what's up?
2: I'm doing pretty well, Holt. Uh, This is, what, like take three now uh, for our recording?
1: Yeah, this is take three. Um, For some reason... I tried telling JB that we were starting and then he just like started talking about something random and I had to start it over. So this is actually our, our third take, you know, I mean, no one really had to know that. Um, but I guess since you brought it up, we'll, we'll let the people know, um, just some behind the scenes there. Usually it's, <laughs> usually it's Alex that's messing us up, but you know, this time it was JB Alex is, you know, on a beach somewhere doing God knows what too good to join us. Doesn't really care about the maroon and white teams apparently. Cause, uh, you know, he didn't show up for the Texan podcast, didn't show up for this one. I'm really starting to question his uh, commitment to this podcast, JB. What do you think?
2: Yeah, like, I don't understand uh, why he can't uh, make some time for this. I mean, we put a lot of effort into these podcasts and a lot of research goes into it, you know, in our analysis before we uh, bring these to you live, you know, for you to listen to. And, uh, of course, you know, before the podcast started, Holt and I were doing quite an extensive analysis on barbecue and good barbecue. And, of course, uh, we've had some uh, people debating on our Twitter timeline about good barbecue. Uh, we have an Arkansas fan and a Missouri fan uh, that's been arguing, and that is, it's going to be really good for that Arkansas-Missouri rivalry that we've been trying to uh, get going. But that's beside the point. Uh, we are here to talk about Mississippi State Bulldogs football, which is coming off an 8-5 and five season, which most would say is disappointing comp uh basically, you know, for what we were expecting from this team last year. Uh, They definitely disappointed in the win-loss column. But, Holt, uh, is there a reason to have maybe a little bit more optimism this year based on uh, the personnel that Joe Moorhead has to work with?
1: Well, I mean, I think so is on the offensive side of the ball. Um, You know, obviously there was definitely some growing pains last year. You know, Nick Fitzgerald was not necessarily the best fit for Joe Moorhead's offense and what he wanted to do. And not to mention, Nick Fitzgerald was coming off that leg injury, and he was not able to practice the entire spring. And, you know, I think that, you know, obviously affected some things as well. And then he was also suspended for the first game of the season last year, if you remember. Um, so um, it just never really came together. You kept thinking that they were going to get better, and they just never really did. Um, you know, they usually would do okay if they played a halfway – you know, if they played a not-so-great defense. The offense did pretty well, but anytime they played <laughs> – Uh, really any kind of a competent defense they did uh struggle um moving the football but uh you know uh Joe Moorhead brings in Tommy Stevens as a grad transfer quarterback um was the backup for Trace McSorley um the last few years at Penn State Uh, obviously Joe Moorhead is very familiar with Tommy Stevens uh from that time um and you know Stevens is going to fit the system a little better he's more of a traditional pocket passer type quarterback but you know he has some athleticism as well he's a you know really big guy um with a big arm and you know played some running back and receiver and some you know i guess like trick formations with penn state and you know had a lot of hype um i think the backup quarterback is always a pretty popular guy but penn state fans really seem to love uh tommy stevens and a lot of them thought that he should have started over tracing sorely at certain points of you know their career i don't Necessarily know if that's true or not um as far as like you know whether or not that's actually um you know a good opinion or not i think sometimes fans are just fans and they always think the backup is awesome but uh you know he traced the story out, so he moved on and he had a chance to win the starting job this year and he was not uh guaranteed that starting job at the end of spring practice so he decides to move on and reconnect with uh joe moorhead so uh it'll be interesting to see how that works out there's also um uh, a couple of new faces. Um the receiver. Um they bring in uh the kind of the guy who's been surprising at camp so far, Javante Payton, um a wide receiver, um was obviously a very bad position for Mississippi State last year as well. Um, you know, he's coming in from junior college, not maybe the most highly recruited, but really been turning a lot of heads in practice and he's somebody you expect to contribute this year. And um uh, probably the most surprising addition to this offense uh this all season has been Isaiah Zuber. A um, transfer from Kansas State was Kansas State's leading receiver last year, and his grad transfer is eligible to play right away. Probably one of the biggest additions. Definitely expect him to uh, make a little bit of an in- impact this season. And kind of, you know, those two guys plus, you know, some talented guys who were already there who just never really um, got it together last year. Um, you know, it looks to be a much improved receiving group, which has really been a weakness from Mississippi State since um, – since Fred Ross and Jeronnie Wilson moved on a few years ago. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that's kind of where we are on the offense. You know, they lose Elton Jenkins on the offensive line, um, was uh, I think the 44th overall pick in the draft by the Green Bay Packers. Um, but other than that, they returned most of linemen, and a lot of them have played a lot. So should be a pretty solid unit, and uh, they should be much improved on offense this season in uh, year two under uh, Joe Moorhead.
2: Oh, that's really good to hear. And um, I actually do feel a lot more uh, confident about uh, Mississippi State's offense this year than I – I mean, last year I was pretty confident, but I wasn't also expecting Joe Moorhead to royally screw up a really good situation either. Uh, But this year, you know, he's got Tommy Stevens, who I think fits more what Joe Moorhead wants to do. And also it's a guy that uh, Joe Moorhead recruited originally at Penn State. So if he if he recruited him, he obviously know obviously knows that he uh, fits his system. So I'm I'm really hoping to see what the offense is going to produce this year, under uh, Tommy Stevens, assuming that he is a starter. I mean I'd say it's probably like a 99.9 percent chance that he will be the starter, on uh, the opening day. But I, I think the offense this year could be a lot better than it was last year. My biggest concern would be how far off does the defense drop from the number one ranked defense from last year. I mean, Bob Shoup is an outstanding defensive coordinator, but he's got his work cut out with only, I think maybe three, I would say three guys that started from last year that are back uh, this season. So he's, he's got his work cut out, but you know, Bob Shoup is incredible and I think he'll still put out a pretty good defense, but I'm wondering how far off it will drop from last year.
1: Yeah. I mean, that's really the question. I mean, obviously they were an elite unit last year and, um, you know, Mississippi State's problems last year were definitely not on the defensive side of the ball. Um, I think they I don't have the exact stats right in front of me, I'm just going off of memory, but I believe they held um eight of the twelve teams they faced to their lowest point total of the season. Um they held they held Alabama to their lowest yardage total of the season. Um, you know, pretty much just you know, I mean, even in the Ole miss game, I mean, I think Jordan Tiamu got injured in that game, but you know, Ole Miss's offense had been putting up, they were like a top 10 offense in the country and Missouri State held home to three points on the road. So, you know, they were just a really dominant unit last year and none of their problems last year stemmed from the defense. I mean, it pretty much all came from the offense putting them in bad positions and just not being able to move the ball against those quality defenses uh, when they had to face them. So, um, yeah, I mean the, obviously, you know, they'd lose three first round draft picks off last year's team, Jeffrey Simmons, Montez Sweat, and, um, Hard knock star uh, Jonathan Abram um, and uh, probably Jonathan Abram is probably my favorite player I've ever watched play at Mississippi State. I just I don't, I'm really gonna miss watching him play. Um, but the good news for Mississippi State is um, they had a decent amount of injuries on the defensive side last year, which is surprising considering how good they were. But uh, because of those injuries, uh, well, first of all, you got a few guys coming back from injury like uh, Marquis Spencer and Brian Cole. Um, who are both really good players, um, have proven really good players that were injured last year that are back. And then you also have a lot of guys who got to play because of some injuries. Um, They were able to get some experience. So even though they're maybe not actually count as returning starters, they did play a lot last year and make some impacts last year. You know, guys like uh, Maurice Smitherman and Jaquarius Landrews and C.J. Morgan Walker in the secondary um, are all guys who got to play a lot last year due to injuries uh, to some other guys. Um so even though they may be listed as first year starters, they um, you know, they rounded out the season last year starting and they, you know, um did a good job. Um, especially Maurice Smitherman. I was really impressed by him. He's somebody that I've really liked ever since he was getting recruited. And um he's battled through some injury size career, but he was finally healthy at the end of last year, made some big plays and even though he's a little bit undersized, he actually is a really physical player and uh, if you remember that Egg Bowl last year had a really outstanding um interception. Um on the goal line against um, uh, Matt Corral. Matt Corral, the Golden he, Corral. He threw that. He threw, like, almost a perfect pass, but um, it was stripped away. It looked like from our angle that it was actually called for a touchdown, but he was able to rip it away, and it was a, a really good play. And, you know, they just – they got a lot of really talented guys. The, you know, the honestly, the linebacking core is probably going to be the strength of this team, Errol Thompson's first-team all-conference. You know, Willie Gay is a really exciting player. Um, is battled through some injuries this uh, this fall camp, so hopefully he's ready to go when the season starts. And then you know, Leo Lewis is a really solid you know linebacker, and he's the number three guy. So I mean, you look at that linebacking core, and that's a chance to be really good. So hopefully, not too much of a drop off this season uh, for the defense.
2: Well, that's really good to hear. And uh, the one thing I have noticed for uh, Mississippi State for both sides of the ball is that. Their whole starting lineup for both sides is most likely going to be all juniors and seniors, which at least these guys are old and they have some experience. And like you did mention on the defense, I mean, some of these guys did play a lot of snaps last year. I mean, they were just shadowed by some of the bigger stars. I mean, namely guys like uh, Chauncey Rivers, who you know played behind uh, Sweat, and then another guy, Fabian Lovett, who redshirted last year, who was factoring, was figured to factor into the uh, rotation on the defensive line this year. So. I mean there's a lot of experience on this defense which should really bode well for them. Uh, I mean it's obviously not going to be as elite as last year, but you know that's really good for Bob Schaap to work with and I mean I think I think it's reasonable to think this defense could be a top 30 defense still. And you're ex- and we're hoping you're expecting the offense which was ranked what uh, I think it was ranked 71st in total offense last year. I mean if it were to crack into the top 50 I mean you're still expecting a pretty decent decent team.
1: Yeah, and that's not even a huge step forward for this offense. And I mean we you know, we talked about um, you know, that ranking doesn't seem as bad and that's because um they did so well against some of the bad defenses that they played. Um it was but when they played those good off those good defenses last year, like Kentucky, Florida, LSU, Alabama, and even Iowa in the bowl game, they just really could not do anything and that was really um, kind of the story of the season was, you know, the offense not really being able to get it done. So, I mean, I think the biggest question marks for this team going into the season are, I mean, just the passing game, if I can just say that, like all is one, because it's, it's not just the quarterbacks. It was, I mean, you know, Nick Fitzgerald, maybe not the most awesome passer of all time, but didn't really have a lot of help at receiver either. I mean, there was a lot of drop passes, Um, you know, not a lot of separation being created by those receivers, and not necessarily a lot of, you know, help from from that side of the ball. And then the the next biggest question on the defensive side for me, you know, last year the defensive line was the strength. And this year I think the secondary and the linebackers have a chance to be the strength. And uh the real questions are gonna be uh specifically the defensive tackles. I think defensive end they should be okay, but defensive tackle, you know, you got um Lee Autry who's played a lot, um he's gonna be a senior this year, and then you got after that, a, a whole bunch of freshmen. So you got a, one redshirt freshman, Fabian Lovett, who JB mentioned, um, actually an Olive Branch guy. So shout out to Memphis. And then, um, you know, Nathan Pickering is a true freshman, Army All American, or uh, Under Armour All American, I believe. Five that, star, wasn't he? Yeah, he was, uh, he was a four star. I think it depends on what service you look at, but I think most of the services had him as a four star.
2: Let's see. He was a five-star for or actually no let's see pickering no excuse me he was a four-star uh consensus but the guy i'm thinking of was charles cross who was yeah. five-star on two of the three main uh,
1: sites yeah charles cross is a offensive lineman um really highly recruited guy that they were able to get away from florida state uh late in the process as well so Jim Moorhead did a pretty good job on recruiting on the uh def- on the offensive and defensive lines in the last recruiting class so you know, this is definitely a line of scrimmage league, so that's very important. But you know, those defensive tackles are going to have to grow up fast because you know, as I said, they got one, uh, they got one senior, and then a bunch of freshmen. And another guy I want to shout out to is uh, um, Jalen Um is a guy that I think has a chance to make a big impact this year. He's a retro freshman as well. Um, really been turning a lot of heads from the reports I've been reading from practice. So hopefully, he's a guy who can come in and make a big impact. To, you know, he was one of those guys that was kind of a tall lanky guy in high school and has now put on like a ton of weight. And now it was a, you know, up to over 300 pounds. So just a real big physical guy with some, a lot of athleticism. So it'd be fun to see what kind of a player he kind of turns into. Um, and, uh, one other thing that I wanted to get to is, um, you know, just going back to Moorhead a little bit, uh, you know, the best player on this team is someone we haven't probably even mentioned yet. Uh, the guy that probably, um, most people are aware of, and that's Carlin Hill, um, he had a really big first half of the season last year. Uh, kind of got a hamstring injury in the LSU game and wasn't really um, able to make a big impact the second half of the season. But, um, you know, I mean, what do you think? The, I mean, I think the issue for this team last year obviously was the passing game. But between Colin Hill and Aries Williams, they had two really good running backs who were not getting the ball. And I mean, like, is that falling Joe Moorhead? Does that fall on the passing game for. Not being good enough to take advantage of teams stacking the running game, and what do you think about that?
2: Yeah, I mean, I thought, I mean, not to be disrespectful to Nick Fitzgerald, but he was just was not really that great of a passer. I mean, he had a cannon of an arm, but his accuracy and timing was just completely off. And the and when you have combine that with receivers that struggle to get separation and get open, it's not a very good um, combination. And to go on further on that, I mean, we look at the rest of the SEC, the defenses. A lot of them are really heavy like talent wise in the secondary. I mean, especially in the West. I mean, you're going they're gonna be facing a really talented secondary with LSU at some point this season. Uh Alabama, they're always gonna be good. They're got a really good secondary this year. Um, you know, other teams on their schedule, I mean um I mean I guess you could say um Tennessee's secondary could be pretty good this year. I mean they're young but they're pretty talented. Uh, Auburn's uh, defense, you know, their secondary is going to be pretty solid too. So, I mean, that's definitely, um, you know, some work that needs to be done with the receivers. And, I mean, like you said, they did struggle getting separation last year. But uh, you can only hope that uh, they can improve on that and have Joe Moorhead scheme in ways that they can uh, improve their route running and get open and help out Tommy Stevens a little bit.
1: Yeah, and I mean, it's just – You know, I just feel like – I hate to talk about last year too much um, because, I mean, well, first of all, it's last year, and obviously we're previewing Mississippi State for this upcoming season. But to me, the problems from last year is kind of what's going to define the team this year. Are they able to solve those problems? And, I mean, to me, like, you know, when when, uh, Moorhead was at Penn State, obviously Saquon Barkley was the feature of the offense. I mean, he was the star. He was the one catching the ball in the backfield, and, you know, he was the one getting the ball – you know, twenty times a game, and that just was not the offense for Mississippi State last year. I mean, it was a lot of, um, you know, Nick Fitzgerald running the ball and then Nick Fitzgerald passing the ball, and it wasn't a lot of getting the running backs involved, which is really surprising because you know, Kylin Hill and Aries Williams were probably the two best players on the offense last year, and uh, they just weren't really featured in the offense quite the way that you feel like they should have been. Um, you know, and this is just like like my opinion. I mean, I'm not definitely not like a football expert at all, but you know, obviously, Moorhead runs an RPO offense, and to me, the really good defenses can kind of dictate where you go with the ball based on how they play, because they know that you're reading keys off of them, and they know that they can give you the keys that they to do whatever they want you to do. And obviously, they want Nick Fitzgerald to throw the throw the football, so yeah. they're gonna, you know, try to follow the keys. that are gonna lead to Nick Fitzgerald throwing the ball.
2: Yeah, and. uh I mean, just kind of like recap of what we've discussed so far. I mean, for the offense and the defense, I mean, I could say that we're both cautiously optimistic about both sides of the ball. Uh, I mean, the defense, I think, we both think it's going to be pretty okay. I mean, it's not going to be, obviously, elite as last year, but I think, like, we both think it's reasonable that this defense is still going to be a really solid defense that can help carry this team, especially in the beginning of the year, but the offense, i should definitely be a little bit better with Tommy Stevens under center, and you know, Kylin Hill coming back, and Kylin Hill is gonna be the guy that's really gonna help lead this offense. I think that's gonna revolve around him, and if he stays healthy, along with the combination of Tommy Stevens, I think the offense should be better. So it really shouldn't be that much of a drop off from last year's uh, eight and five team. But uh, I guess we can go ahead and uh, get into the schedule and see uh, how this really shapes up.
1: Yeah, I guess so. I mean, I guess I guess I'm just done talking about Mississippi State. You're just done listening to me talk.
2: Uh, I guess not. Um uh, I mean
1: right. I mean it's fine. You wanna talk you wanna go to the schedule, we can go to the schedule. I was just giving you a good transition there. Dude, I thought I was leading the show. Uh, I guess you are then. Come on, J B. My bad. I swear, man.
2: I'm doing my best here. I'm I'm doing this as an as the outsider. I'm not the exclusive Yeah, insider Obviously, for yeah. Bulldog football.
1: Obviously, I mean, I'm sure most people listening already know, but I am a Mississippi State fan, so this is definitely very important to me. I'm very passionate about this one. And um, we can get into the schedule um, if you would like to. Um, I would just I just wanted to add on to what you were saying. Um, Fair enough. But I believe that hopefully, what I was getting at was that I hope that hopefully um, the new quarterback and some new receivers and maybe just second year on the offense, they'll be able to take advantage of defense's kind of – Playing against the run more, and they'll be able to take advantage of some plays in the passing game. Then that will lead uh, to Colin Hill really being able to uh, to take a hold in this offense because we saw how talented he was early in the season. And obviously, you know had a huge game against Kansas State. Um, you know had a had a really big game against Auburn as well. Um, but I just feel like teams were kind of keying on him. And, you know, trying to take that aspect away from the from the offense and forcing Nick Fitzgerald to either run or throw. And I'm just saying that hopefully in this year's offense they'll be able to create more explosive plays in the passing game, which will force defenses to kinda have to play that a little bit more and really open the ground game up for Colin Hill to have a big season this year.
2: Yeah, I agree. And I mean like I like just to reiterate, I mean I think the offense Definitely the biggest key for them is Kylan Hill, uh, getting him the touches and keeping him healthy. Like Holt said, uh, last year he got hurt and wasn't healthy the entire season, but I feel like the offense is going to go where Kylan Hill takes them.
1: All right, and now uh, we can get into the schedule. Um, First week, um, August 31st, traveling down to New Orleans for a neutral site game against the University of Louisiana, which formerly known as Louisiana Lafayette, the Raging Cajuns, uh, should be kind of a, I guess, decent matchup. I mean, I'm sure Mississippi State, going to be, you know, pretty heavily favored in this game. But you know, it's in New Orleans, and Louisiana Lafayette's not terrible. They're
2: not terrible. I think this this matchup would be a lot more fun if this is baseball, but this is football, and uh, Mississippi State's an SEC team. Lafayette is not. I mean, you'd have to imagine that uh, states should be able to uh, roll over Louisiana Lafayette, even with this in New Orleans.
1: Yeah, you definitely hope so. And then obviously, week two playing Southern Miss, um, you know, obviously another group of five team, uh, but it is an in state game. So obviously, a lot of, you know, Southern Miss people are going to be really up for this game. I know a lot of fans at Southern Miss are probably going to have this game circled. I know a lot of players at Southern Miss (laughs) probably going to have a chip on their shoulder, feeling like you know they're maybe a little bit slighted because Mississippi State didn't offer them at some point in the recruiting process, but uh, do you think there's anything to worry about for this game?
2: Well, this is not the same Southern Miss of old that we're used to that could play SEC teams and beat SEC teams regularly. I mean, I remember they've beaten uh, Mississippi State at times, they've beaten Alabama at times, they've beaten Ole Miss uh, in the history, at least in the last 15-20 years. I think, namely in like, the late 90s, early 2000s, mm-hmm. Southern Miss was having some really good teams that We're top 25 teams at that point, but this isn't the Southern Miss that we're accustomed to seeing. And I know they will be highly motivated because, I mean, this is an in-state game and these are likely guys that did not get offers from Mississippi State or Ole Miss, the two SEC schools in the state. So you know they're going to have – this is their biggest game of the year. They're going into Starkville. They're playing in probably the best environment they'll play in that entire season. They'll be ready for it. And I I think they can give them a game for at least a half, but – I mean, the talent for Mississippi State should be able to take over.
1: Yeah, I hope you're right. Um, I'm going to go with Mississippi State as well. Um, I don't know why. I always get nervous when they play Southern Miss. It just feels like, you know, like I feel like uh, you're almost like legitimizing them by playing them. Like if you're just yeah. – if you're playing like, you know, like Louisiana Lafayette or, you know, Arkansas State or somebody like that, it wouldn't yeah. it wouldn't feel the same. You wouldn't even think about it. Yeah. But since it's like an in-state game, you kind of just get that little bit of like, you know – right. Oh crap! Like I, I mean, it's just like
2: when you're playing the smaller program, you know, that's not a non-power five in your state. I mean, they're definitely going to be more motivated. It'd be the equivalent of Tennessee playing Memphis, or you know, Alabama playing UAB, or you know, even Arkansas playing Arkansas State. Like it's it's just an in-state school. Like a lot of those in-state schools for the non-power five kind of have a slight inferiority complex over the major SEC schools in that state. So you know they're going to be up for it, but I mean. You take all the intangibles out. I mean, on paper, Mississippi State should be able to handle Southern Miss.
1: Yeah, and then week three come in, the uh, the Power Five out-of-conference matchup, Kansas State Wildcats. Uh, State won this game fairly easily last year in Manhattan. Um, you know, uh, as I said earlier, Con Hill had a huge game in that one. Um, really, you know, I don't know if it, I would call it like a dominant win, but it was a pretty comfortable win, especially for going on the road to another Power Five team. Um, you know, Kansas State has a new coach this year. Bill Snyder has retired again, probably for good this time. Probably for good. And uh they hired was it North Dakota State's coach? It was indeed. And uh so good hire. Yep. Really underrated hire. Yeah, I I agree. And you know, I don't know if he's gonna be able to come in year one and win with bill schneider's players but i definitely think the long term that's going to be a good hire but i think you're one i think missouri state's got a significant talent edge in this game
2: yeah for sure but like just to talk about kansas state just for about 20 seconds like i just i absolutely love that hire for them i mean he's going from you know north dakota to kansas you know two states that are not talent rich in football but it also he's going to a situation where you don't have a lot of pressure to win so he's in a low pressure environment And I think um, he's going to succeed at Kansas State, and I think it's going to happen relatively quickly because, I mean, the Big 12, I mean, let's just face it, it's really not that deep. There's not a lot of defense. I mean, I think he can get that program growing quickly. But uh, it's not going to be grown enough to uh, to go into Starkville and win against uh, this Mississippi State team. I think Mississippi State continues on what they did from last year against Kansas State, and they uh, roll against Kansas State.
1: Yeah, and then week four, um, come in the Kentucky Wildcats. Game that um I kinda hate to say but it kinda is true. It's turned into a little bit of a rivalry game these last few years. Uh, Mississippi State I believe won like nine or ten games in a row. And uh the last four game or last three games, the home team has won each game, I believe. So um uh, Kentucky was finally able to get a couple wins and they had a big win last year in this game when Mississippi State was I think like a ten point favorite going up there. And uh, Kentucky was able to get the win and, uh, you know, really played a really physical game, and uh, Benny Snell had a big game. Um, You know, I think Mississippi State's going to be looking for some revenge this year.
2: Oh, for sure. And, I mean, last year uh, when Mississippi State traveled to Lexington, I think at this point uh, Kentucky wasn't being as respected as they should have been, even though they had just gone to Gainesville and beaten Florida in Gainesville. But uh, this was really Kentucky's coming out party, too. I mean, they completely just blew the doors off Mississippi State in this game and pretty much dominated uh, the entire second half. And Mississippi State's offense wasn't able to move the ball at all. And like you said, Benny Snell had a big game. But Kentucky lost a lot of key players from last year's teams on both sides of the ball. Like I mean, they're definitely in a slight rebuild this year. Uh, Mississippi State, I wouldn't say they're rebuilding. I'd say they're more reloading, and they're also at home. And uh, they're going to be highly motivated. I think they uh, win this one.
1: Yeah, I think this has a chance to be a pretty close game. Um, you know, as I said earlier, my biggest concern about Mississippi State this year is those interior defensive linemen. So, you know, if if Kentucky's able to run the ball, um, you know, maybe shorten the game a little bit um, like they like to do, then, you know, I could definitely see this being a really close game, and Kentucky definitely, I think, has a shot to win. Uh, but I'm going to go with Mississippi State just because I, I just – I feel like Joe Moorhead's offense near two is going to take that step forward. Um, I feel like Kentucky's secondary is maybe a little bit of a weakness this year. They lost a lot from that group a season ago, um, you know. So obviously, you know, I'm not saying they're going to be bad or anything. It's just we we really don't know what they're going to be um, in the secondary. And I just think Mississippi State uh, this is going to be their first game to really kind of show uh, what you know the improvements they've made in the passing game. And um, I just expect Mississippi State to make a few more big plays in this one.
2: Yeah, I mean, I, I can definitely uh, agree with you on that one. But uh, that consensus between both of us puts Mississippi State at 4-0 uh, going into the very last weekend of September, going traveling to the plains of Auburn to face an Auburn Tigers team, which I believe at this point will be a 3-1 and team, and Mississippi State will be 4-0. So, I mean, if projections are right, I actually think Mississippi State will be the higher-ranked team. Going into this game, Auburn will be coming off the loss uh, the previous week and College Station, if my predictions hold true. And uh, Mississippi State should probably be firmly in the top 15 with a 4-0 start. What do you think?
1: Yeah, I agree. I definitely think that I uh, Mississippi State, I believe, is going to start the season as like a fringe top 25 team, maybe like right inside the top 25.
2: I'd say like 22, 21. Yeah.
1: So then if they, if they start a 4-0, you know, I definitely think they could probably jump up to maybe like 16, 15, somewhere in that range. And I don't think Auburn will, you know – take it, if they beat Oregon week one, I think they're probably going to jump up pretty high, and they should, even if they have that loss to at Texas a and I do still think they should be right around 15 as well, so, Could potential, you know, potentially top 15, top 20 matchup here, um, you know, at Auburn, Um, you know, honestly, like, Mississippi State just weird stuff happens when they go to Auburn, like, it seems like they always lose in, like, the worst ways, Um there's always, like, a couple really bad calls, it seems like, it's just it's just not a good place for mystery State. Um, I think Auburn is really going to surprise some people this year. They're kind of like, you know, one of my surprise teams this year. Um, so I'm going to go with Auburn in this one. You know, Jordan Harris is a really tough place to play, and uh, I think Gus Malzahn is going to um, make a statement this year.
2: Yeah, and I feel like I'm really boring here because I, I do agree with Holt. I mean, Auburn's one of my surprise teams, too. I expect them to bounce back in a big way this season. I don't know if bounce back in a big way as in being a college football playoff team. But they're going to be a lot better than they were last year, and I, and with this game being a Jordan uh having lost from the previous week, uh, their backs are going to be kind of against the wall in a way. I mean, they can't. You don't want to lose two in a row, and I think they uh, definitely uh, will uh, beat Mississippi State. Plus, you know, they have a little bit of motivation. They did go down to Starkville last year and played a really lethargic game. Only got uh, were held to single digits. Only got nine points. Uh, did not play well at all in that game and a game that they were favored to win. So I think this year they're a little, they're going to be a little more motivated and I, I like Auburn in this one.
1: Yeah. And I just think they're going to be getting back to what they do on offense, running the ball at the quarterback a little more and just being a little bit more physical than they were under with Stidham at quarterback. Um, and then, uh, you know, next week they have a bye week, uh, and then they travel up to Knoxville to take on Tennessee Vols, uh, game that we will both be at. Um, pretty excited about this one. Um, I really think this game could go either way. Um, I just, I have no idea what to expect out of Tennessee this year. I mean, I said this a few times already, um, you know, on our previous podcast. But I just really have no idea what to expect out of Tennessee this year. Um, I think Mississippi State is most likely going to be an average to above average team, and I feel like Tennessee could be anywhere from a bad team to a good team. Um, and obviously they're at home as well. So what do you think about this game, Jamie?
2: <clears throat> yeah, like when you look at these two schools, I mean, Tennessee's probably going to be three and two going into this game with losses to Florida and Georgia already. Uh, Mississippi State's going to be a four and one team, probably still in the top twenty-five. Uh, but Tennessee, at this point, uh, you know, with a three and two record, uh, they got a big. They would have been coming off a, a big game at home the previous week against Georgia, and uh, I feel like if you lose a game at home the previous week, you don't really lose two big games at home in a row. And, uh, of course, I, I, I was going to pick Tennessee in the Tennessee preview because I assumed you were going to pick uh, Mississippi State, so we were going to let Alex be the tiebreaker, but that didn't hold true. But I feel like these two teams are really even on paper, like, talent-wise. I think both teams are evenly matched talent-wise. Uh, I think both teams that uh, match up kind of pretty well against each other on both sides of the ball in different areas. I think uh, – uh, Mississippi State's defensive line is not as good as last year, and Tennessee's offensive line is a little bit better, so I think it's kind of a push between that, and I think Tennessee's secondary is going to be one of their strengths, which matches up well with Mississippi State's wide receivers, who struggled at times last year, so there's a lot to look at both ways. I I really have no idea what to expect from this Tennessee team, like you said. I got their floor at around six wins, their ceiling at nine, but you really just don't know what they're going to put out this year, but I got Tennessee winning this one just by default. Uh, it, was, it was This was really hard to pick. I'm probably not even going to make an official pick for this one until the week before. Of course, that pretty much goes for every game. But this is one of those games that I have circled that I really have no idea what to expect. But I am going to go with Tennessee for now.
1: Yeah, I'm going to go with Tennessee as well at this time just because they're at home. And, you know, I I think Mississippi State, you know, I mean I don't know. Like honestly like I just have no clue. Like I I I really want to pick Missouri State to win this game. I think this is a game a lot of Missouri State fans think they should win. Um there's actually been like a lot of argument among uh Missouri State fans about this game. Um a lot of them feel like that, you know they should they should this is a game that they should win and a lot of Missouri State fans think that this is going to be a really tough game. So um you know it's kind of a Mixed feeling among Mississippi State fans. And, uh, you know, I just think Tennessee being at home, Jerry Pruitt year two, I think they're going to be much improved under him. I think defensively especially is where you're going to see that. Um, the only thing that gives me pause is just the injuries that they've had on the defensive line. And, you know, I, we still haven't had a ruling on Solomon yet, I don't believe. so. We have not. So um, we know that defensive line could uh, end up being kind of a weakness for Tennessee. And that's definitely not, uh, you know, it's definitely not ideal I think secondary-wise, Tennessee has a chance to be really good. Um, so it really just depends, you know. I mean, I feel like we're going to know way more about these teams by the time this game comes around, and we're probably going to feel a lot more comfortable about our picks then. But at this time, it's just really hard to say because both teams are, you know, just kind of such a big question mark. I mean, we, don't, we really don't know what we're going to expect out of either team. Uh, but I'm also going to go with Tennessee just because they're at home. Tennessee is a tough place to play and, uh, you know, obviously not a place that Mississippi State travels to often. Um, and then, the next week, they get to come home and play LSU at home, um, a game that I think a lot of state fans kind of have circled as, like, you know, maybe their chance to uh, pull a big upset. You know, Ed Orgeron does like to screw around and lose games randomly, so, um, you know, this is definitely an opportunity for that.
2: It is, and uh, when we did the LSU preview
1: earlier, I had t- LSU at 10-2. and
2: I uh, got them winning pretty much all the games they're supposed to win, except Alabama. Uh, Alabama's the game that I guarantee to lose, but... You, like you said, uh, Ordron is always good to lose one game that he shouldn't. And this is the game on the schedule that I have LSU losing that they're probably supposed to win. And I think that this is a trap game for LSU. I forgot who it is in between opponents they have. If you let me just look it up really quickly. Yeah, and while you're doing
1: that, I'll I'll just say that, you know, this is a game that Mississippi State really struggled in last year. Um, you know, the defense played great, but the offense really um, <laughs> kind of messed them up. So it's kind of a – a rough uh, game in this one last year. Um, you know LSU was able to get the win, but other than that, it's been a pretty solid series between these two teams. It's usually a pretty close game. LSU's gotten the better end of it, but there have been some close games in this series. But uh, yeah, yeah. I think you got that found.
2: Yeah, I do. And uh, the reason I the reason this game is circled for me is that it, it this game on the schedule for LSU falls in between two major home games. The week before they're playing Florida at home, which I think they will avenge uh, last year's loss and win that one. And then the following week they got to host Auburn, which I think Auburn obviously is going to be a much improved team. So I mean I feel like this game, you know, in Starkville is a trap for them. I mean they could be looking ahead to Auburn and coming off an emotional win against Florida. And at this point, Mississippi State is coming off uh, two losses at Auburn and at Tennessee. They're back at home. They're back in their comfortable environment, and they seem to always play LSU close in the last five years or so. They've always played them close uh, with the exception, I guess, of last year. I think it was like nineteen three, but. I think this is the one game that LSU slips up in. Mississippi State sneaks up on LSU and uh, comes away with an upset victory at home.
1: Yeah, I I think I mean there's definitely a chance for it. Um, I'm not going to pick that. Um not being much of a homer here. I think a lot of Mississippi State fans are going to be mad at me for not picking them to win more games, but um I'm going to go with LSU in this one. I just feel like you know, I just feel like their defense is probably going to be one of the best in the country. Um I think some teams are going to be able to run the ball in LSU just because I think they're a little bit you know i want to say like a finesse defense but i think they do rely more on speed and they're more susceptible to uh teams that are going to run the ball right at them than uh teams that are going to try to spread it out and and throw the ball which i think joe moorhead wants to do so um you know i'm gonna go with lsu in this one and i just feel like um defensively Aranda and all the talent they have uh just a little bit too much for mississippi state um and then uh, next week, October 26th, travel to College Station and take on the Aggies, the team that we think uh, we actually just did their preview. And uh, we feel like they have a chance to be a much improved team this year.
2: Yeah, like I really do like this a team. I think they're really one more year away from being a college football playoff contender. Even though they are ranked, I think, by most pundits and firmly in the top 15, some even in the top 10, but I still think they're one year away from the college football playoff contention but uh Jim fisher's got this train rolling in college station and they're going to be really good this year yeah, and college station's a tough place to play uh if my predictions hold true state will be a six and two team or let me think uh actually there'll be a five and two team going into a uh, college station but i've got Texas a&m in this one i think uh this is a game that uh you know Texas a&m needs to win uh, they haven't been able to beat state in the last few years and for A&M to get up to an elite level, they have to beat schools like Mississippi State. And having them at home, they're going to be ready for this one. I got A&M in, in this one.
1: Yeah, I mean, I'm going to go with A&M as well. Um, you know, I was, this is a game that Mississippi State has really dominated uh, the last few years. Um, you know, with the, with the exception of 2015, which was a very um it was an unusual game I'll say uh, I definitely thought Mississippi State could have even even won that game in 2015 they had some drop passes and some fumbles in that game I don't know why that game sticks out to me I still it still it sticks in my crawl a little bit it's one of those games that you know you still think about like three or four years later um but uh you know Mississippi state has pretty much dominated uh this series um other than that game the last five years they're four and one they've won three in a row you know I know. A&M fans are probably really happy to see Nick Fitzgerald move on, who just, you know, as much as he struggled throughout his career, he always seemed to play really well against Texas (laughs) A&M. Um, even last year had some really big plays in the passing game against, uh, Texas A&M. Um, you know, and even in that, uh, if you remember that, uh, 2016 season where Mississippi state lost to South Alabama and they were, you know, really struggling that year. They had a horrendous defense that season and, uh, yeah. And then, uh, Texas A&M is number four in the original college football playoff poll, yeah. and there was a lot of controversy about that because I believe they, were, they had one loss, and they were ranked ahead of um, someone else from another conference who was undefeated, I think, and there was like this whole big <laughs> thing about it, and everybody was all upset. And then Nick, Mississippi, the score the final score was 35-28, Mississippi State, which made it look close, but Mississippi State really was in control of that game. I remember Nick Fitzgerald had like a 60-yard touchdown run on the first play of the game. <laughs> And uh, Nick Fitzgerald, like, I don't know what it was, but he just, like, always played his best game against Texas A&M. So I know Aggie fans are excited to see him move on. Um, But that being said, I do think that uh, Texas A&M is kind of moving in a different direction um, at this time under Jim Bode year two. They're recruiting really well. I think they're going to be a lot more physical this year, as I've I've said pretty much every time we talked about A&M. That's what I always say is they're going to be more physical this year. They're going to be able to, you know, run the ball. They're going to be able to stop the run better. Um, you know, we just have questions about their defense uh, in the secondary, which I'm not entirely sure that Mississippi State's going to be able to take advantage of anyway. Um, you know, I mean, I do expect Mississippi State's passing game to be improved, but you know, maybe not quite enough to uh, go on the road and uh, get a big win in College Station.
2: Yeah, I would tend to agree with you. So uh, I think at this point in the season, uh, you got and or not, sorry, not A M. You got Mississippi State at four and four. I've got uh, Mississippi State at five and three. Uh, So then the following week, they are going to be traveling to uh, Fayetteville, Arkansas. So back-to-back road games. Uh, now they're playing in Fayetteville. A lot of, Um, I wouldn't say easier environment, but not as talented of a team as A&M. And uh, by this point in the season, I mean, it's kind of remains to be seen how Arkansas will stand at this point. I would kind of tend to think that Arkansas is still another year away from competing for a bowl position. I know Vegas has set the over and under at six wins. I... Don't really buy that. I still, I think they're probably more in the four or five one category. I mean, Chad Morris has got the program headed in the right direction, but I mean, what Bielema left there was really horrendous. Like his recruiting was horrendous, and the players he recruited were really bad for his system. I think they're another year away. I think Mississippi State goes into Fayetteville, and I think they should be able to uh, really win this one. Um, I mean, fairly easily. I mean, they beat them fifty-two to six at home last year. And, I mean, I'm not going to say it's going to be that bad of a score, but I still think they can beat it by double digits.
1: Yeah, and, I mean, this is a game that Arkansas fans probably have circled as well. I think uh, Arkansas fans before the season are probably thinking, like, you know, okay, we're going to beat – you know, or we're going to get Ole Miss early in the season. We're going to get Kentucky and then Mississippi State. Um, Those are probably the three conference games that they're looking at, thinking that they have a chance to win. Um, And then, you know, maybe Missouri as well. But I think those three games especially are the ones that they're looking at, thinking that – you know they can get a big win and um, you know finally get yeah. a little momentum going. Yeah,
2: they would need to win at
1: least two of those three, along with their four non-conference games, in order to make it to a bowl.
2: Which I mean, I could say it's attainable, but I am I'm not a negative person on Arkansas. I really do like Chad Morris and I, I like what he's bringing to the program, and I th- I think he's going to right the ship. But I just I still think it's not you're not going to see them in a bowl until year three.
1: Yeah, and I just I mississippi state I just think is a more talented team. Um they you know, they're better on the defensive side of the ball. I feel like um you know, and then offensively, I think both teams have a chance to take a step forward this year, but I feel like mississippi state's quarterbacks I'm trying to not to say I feel like before everything I say. I, feel I like. I'm trying so hard not to say it. Cuz like cuz every time cuz I do listen <laughs> to this podcast sometimes. I don't know if that makes me conceited or not. But I do listen to it sometimes just to try to see, like, how I can improve. And I'm always like, you need to stop saying I feel like so much. And every time I listen to it, I'm just like, (laughs) I feel like this. And I feel like that. And I feel like I say I feel like that too much. I mean, I feel like it's (laughs) a... Yeah, it took you a second. Ah, It took you a second, you got it. Until I I said it
2: here. (laughs) But I feel like, I feel like, but, you know... (laughs) <laughs> now you got me wanting to say it all the time too but you know we like to hear ourselves uh, talk too so I mean we, we're gonna listen to our uh, podcasts and you know cause it's, it's just fun to listen to yourself talk and you feel you feel so smart when you hear yourself talk about football so I mean I, yeah. I was about to say I
1: feel, I feel, I feel like uh, football is one of the few things I can actually talk about intelligently yeah
2: and I feel like food is another thing that we like to talk about as well
1: <laughs> but anyway I feel like we should get back to this schedule yeah I feel um, so too but anyway, so I think they're going to go up to Arkansas and get the win. Um, they're just overall a better team, in my opinion. Um, you know, Chad Morris, just, I'm just not really sold on him. Like, I just, you know, I look, Arkansas fans, I really do love you guys. Like, I promise I do. We've had so much support from Arkansas fans, like, way more than any other fan base. Yeah. And we, we appreciate that. We appreciate that, like, so much. And I wish that, like, I could sit up here and say that, Arkansas is going to surprise everybody this year and have like an awesome offense and Chad Morris is the answer but I just I don't believe that right now like I just don't he every time he talks he's just you know uninspiring and just very just doesn't evoke any confidence in me whatsoever like I mean you know I don't know what you know I mean I'm not trying to act like I'm like a master of um, body language or anything like that. But he just he just rubs me the wrong way. Like, he just doesn't come across as, like, a winner or, like, uh, a leader of men. You know what I mean? He just doesn't – I mean, is that just me or do you feel that as well?
2: I mean, I'm not as negative as probably you would feel about Chad Morris. I really do like him as a person. I really think he's a
1: – You like him as a friend.
2: Yeah. Like, I think, he's, I think <laughs> he's a good father figure for these players. And I think he's got them heading in the right direction. I don't know if he's going to be a coach that's going to get Arkansas to, like, Petrino's level – or even maybe even Houston Nuts' level where, he had, where Houston Nut had a few teams that you know winning 10 games a year. But I do think Chad Morris is going to get him back to a bowl. I mean, he did it at SMU. I mean, my God, look at SMU in that program. But I don't know if Chad Morris is the guy that's going to get them to an elite level. But I do think he's going to get them back to uh, competing and going back to bowls. And like I said earlier, like, man, I think by year three they should be back in bowl contention. But I still think they're a year away just because Bielema in the second half of his tenure did an absolutely horrific job not just not just recruiting but coaching on the field it's, it's just almost like he just mailed it in the last few years and um uh, chad morris had a huge mess to clean up so i'm hoping hog fans are patient i don't think they're a bowl team this year I still, they're going to definitely improve from two wins last year you can't they can't be as bad as last year i think they'll be more or less a four or five win team but you know we'll talk about them more when we do our arkansas preview in the next few days
1: yeah we definitely will and uh moving on to alabama um you know Miss State has played Alabama pretty pretty tough the last two years. Um, you know, has not been able to get a win. I think two years ago may have been their best shot. Um, you know, not to really relive sad situations too much, but, um, you know, We State definitely had a chance to beat Alabama two years ago, and uh, Dan Mullen decided to get super conservative and play for overtime and end up not being able to run out the clock and letting yeah. Alabama win it in regulation.
2: Yeah, I feel like it... it... <laughs> You got me saying it all the time now. (laughs) But uh, this game was also a game that um, Dan Mullen was probably already talking to multiple schools. He probably already had been talking maybe Tennessee at this point, maybe Florida, but he already knew that he was probably leaving. And uh, in this game, I think he just wanted to impress and keep this game close. I don't even know if he was – I'm not going to say he doesn't want a coach to win, but it just definitely seemed like he had this game – like. Like you said, he coached it really conservatively. He kept the game close, and even – you could almost say Mississippi – you could say Mississippi State controlled the game for about three and a half quarters of the game. But uh, in the end of the game, uh, the conservative play calling caught up to Dan Mullen, and, you know, Alabama made a few plays at the end there ended up sneaking away with a, uh, you know, huge victory in Starkville and kept their season alive. But uh, this year's edition of Alabama, I think, is going to be one of the best teams that Saban's ever had. And coming into Starkville, I know State has a week off before that, and I think they're going to play hard. But this Alabama team is on another level. I mean, when we talk about Alabama, and their preview, I'm, I'm just telling you right now, they're going to pretty much roll through their entire schedule and beat pretty much everybody by double digits. And I don't think it's going to be any different in this one. I think they beat Mississippi State by double digits.
1: Yeah, I mean, I just – I think Alabama's just too good. I think they're too loaded. Um, They're just – they're absolutely stacked at every position. I mean, the skill positions on offense are just ridiculous. You know, Tua, all those receivers, you know, they're just loaded. I mean, their fourth or fifth best receiver would be the best receiver on most other teams. Um, So, I mean, they're just absolutely stacked. They got so many weapons. You know, I think the defense is going to be improved for Alabama last year. You know, last year Alabama's defense was good but not great, especially by saving standards. So – you know, I definitely expect the defense to be better this year. Um, you know, I mean, I think Mississippi State's good enough. I think is a tough enough environment to where um, they could give Alabama a tough game, at least for, you know, the first yeah. first half, maybe even the first three quarters. But I just – I think Alabama's just got too much, and I just don't think Mississippi State's offense can keep up with them. Exactly,
2: and one note I will make about Alabama, we'll talk about that when we do the Alabama podcast, but the, the hire of Pete Golding as the defensive coordinator – was a really underrated hire uh, just a couple of years ago in 2017. He had UT San Antonio's defense top ten in total defense, and you don't really see schools outside of the Power Five that rank that high in total defense. So this guy can definitely scheme, and now he's got the best athletes in the entire country. So watch out for that. But uh, like you said, I'm, we got we both have Alabama rolling into this game. So the very following weekend, Mississippi State's going to have a breather. With Abilene Christian from Texas and Abilene, Texas, uh, this is kind of be like the Stephen F. Austin game from last year. This should be a really easy FCS opponent, And, you know, sandwiched between the Alabama and Ole Miss game before the Egg Bowl. I even if Mississippi State were to be looking ahead, they should still roll through this Abilene Christian team. I mean, I, you'd probably would agree with me, Holt.
1: Yeah, and there's not really much to talk about here. I do uh, appreciate Mississippi State scheduling this for their homecoming game. Most teams probably would have done something in the middle of the season against a conference game. We haven't seen that a lot this year.
2: Yeah, a lot of conference games with homecoming. Like, I don't know why schools are doing that because it's just given the the opposing conference opponent motivation. Nobody wants to be the homecoming opponent when you're traveling on the road in the SEC.
1: But what if they did it for LSU, like, just to make, like, a total just, like,
2: I think the funniest one to me would have been if they did it for Kentucky, because yeah. Kentucky's already disrespected enough in this conference, mm-hmm. and then they and then for if Mississippi State had the audacity to do it after losing in Lexington last year and having homecoming an this year for Kentucky, that would have been the funniest thing for me. But yeah. I, I I respect but Mississippi State. I feel State
1: like you can't it this way. Yeah, I do too. But I feel like you can't schedule a homecoming game when you haven't even played a road game yet. Right. You know what I mean? You're coming off a neutral site game and then three and then two straight home games. Uh, and then a homecoming I just don't think that works I think maybe they could have done it for LSU it would have been pretty funny just kind of like troll them a little bit um, but you know it's all good That's what it's <laughs> probably probably the smart decision to just go ahead and wait till November 23rd when everyone's freezing to uh, to do the homecoming but um, you know then the next Thursday they got a short week um, you know then Ole Miss comes to town uh, the, the road team has actually won this game I believe three or four years in a row so um, yeah yep yeah i think 2014 yeah 2014 was the last year that the road team won this game so um or that the home team won this game excuse me so the road team's on a four game winning streak um you know i think i just don't really expect much out of Ole miss this year i'm just not really sold on them i I do think that uh they're gonna have two really good running backs uh scotty phillips and jerry neely the true freshman five star um so i think they're gonna finally have a decent running game this year um at least in SEC play. So, you know, because the last few years they they were able to run the ball in out of conference games but not as much in conference. So I think they're going to finally be able to get that running game going with Rich Rodriguez (laughs) and, uh, you know, Matt Corral. And this is a pretty nasty rivalry, so I definitely expect a close game. You know, this series pretty much proves that anything can happen. It it doesn't really matter if one team's great and one team's terrible or one team's banged up and one team's healthy. Like, it just doesn't matter. Like, this game makes no sense.
2: Right, and I, I, I'm I, on the belief that uh, this is the best uh, rivalry in the SEC ongoing currently. As far as, like, two teams, no two teams in the SEC hate each other more than Mississippi State and Ole Miss, and that includes uh, Alabama and Auburn or, uh, you know, Florida and Georgia. These two teams hate each other more than anybody right now. And uh, at this point in the season, I mean, I think Ole Miss is going to be they, – they, they're going to struggle this year. I mean, I, I think they're going to struggle – at this point, they're probably going to be a four and seven, five and six team, and uh, if if it's if it's the best case scenario, they're five and six, and I would expect Matt Luke to still be there and maybe coaching for his job in this game. But if it's four and seven, that uh, remains to be seen if even Matt Luke will still be coaching this team. But I mean, I do think with the losing season, Matt Luke won't be retained in Oxford going into twenty twenty. I just don't think he's a long term guy anyway. But, like you said, it usually is a close game. I mean, like, with the exception of last year, it was not close. But, I mean, Mississippi State has the talent edge, and and I aimed in the coaching edge, too. I think they got a better defensive coordinator. I like Bob Shute more than McIntyre. McIntyre's a solid coach, but he's not as proven recently. Uh, offensively, I mean, I might give the edge to Rich Rodriguez, but I think, uh, you know, Mississippi State will be able to – it evens out for Mississippi State, I think, that they're going to – have a talent edge I like Mississippi State to win this one going away in the fourth quarter but like you said I think it will be competitive but Mississippi State will put them away at the end
1: yeah I mean you just never know what to expect out of this game I think Mississippi State's got their talent more spread out throughout their roster you know I feel like that's kind of an Ole Miss's problem in the last few years is that most of their talent has been like at receiver and not really a whole lot else um, I feel like Mississippi State's talent is, you know, like I said, like more like spread out. I feel like they're more ba- a more balanced team. I feel like you know they can run the ball um, on teams that can't stop the run. They can throw the ball on teams that can't stop the pass. You know, they're, they're like they're good enough to take advantage of like other teams' mistakes. Is basically yeah. what I'm getting at her weaknesses. So um, I think Ole Miss is definitely got some weaknesses coming into this season. You know, we, I still don't trust their defense at all, even with McIntyre. I think they'll be improved, but still not great um i just i don't see them going from like 120 something in the country in defense to you know like yeah like i mean even if they take a big step forward it's still going to be a below average defense i think so um i just think mississippi state's gonna be a more balanced team and just a safer pick Mm -hmm. in this game
2: i agree and and overall this is a really solid season uh if this holds true i think mississippi state finishes at seven five which i think is around the average of what most people are picking I've actually got Mississippi State uh, not dropping off at all from last year. I think they, I got them finishing at eight and four based off my predictions, which is about the same from last year. Which I think eight and four would be a really good season for Mississippi State.
1: Yeah, I have to agree, and um, you know, I mean, I guess we're kind of gonna wrap up real quick. Um, just like a few more like additional thoughts. Um, you know, I think that if Joe Moorhead is able to go eight and four this season, I think you have to kind of, you know. Um, I guess, maybe I'm not. He's not like on the hot seat or anything like that. But I definitely think some people are disappointed after last season. But if he's able to go eight and four again this year with all the talent they lost, I definitely think that's going to build up some equity for him. Um, you know, we just I think as far as him and what people want to see out of him <laughs> is they want to see that offense take a step forward. Yeah. You know, like, or do you want to say say something?
2: Well, I was going to ask you, uh, what would you think would be the scenario in which state fans would lose? All or most, most or all of their confidence in Joe Moray. Would it be a six and six season, or would it be, I guess, maybe five and seven? Yeah,
1: well, that's the thing is, I mean, like you know, obviously, like the win total is important, um, but I think a lot of it just has to do with the offense. Like, if the offense is just terrible again this year, then people are just really going to start wondering, like, you know, look, like you're an offensive guy, um, you know, you showed up, and the defense had all his talent on it, and you brought in Bob Shoop, and Bob Shoop coaches the defense, not you. And the defense is awesome. And you coach the offense and the offense is terrible. So, I mean, you know, you can say like, you know, Oh, look, you know, well, I brought in Bob Shoup and it's like, yeah, well, that's great. But you know, maybe then Bob Shoup should be our head coach then. Like, I mean, like, you know, I mean, it's just kind of like, you know, look, like I know that Joe Moore is the head coach and the whole team is, is, you know, represented by him or, you know, he's in control of everything. I guess I'm trying to say, um, but he's an offensive guy, and this offense needs to take a step forward. The offense was dreadful last year. You know, he can make the argument. I mean, not that he's been making this argument, mm-hmm. but, you know, people can make the argument for him that Nick Fitzgerald was a problem last year and not him. Um, the fact is, he could have catered the offense more to Nick Fitzgerald, in my opinion. He could have gotten the running backs more involved, in my opinion, because those were, you know, Aries Williams and Colin Hill were yeah. the two best players on the offense last year. Right. So, I mean, to me, it's, it comes down to the offense and how does the offense look this year.
2: Yeah, and and that – one question that will be answered for sure is uh was last year's issue joe moorhead or was it nick fitzgerald not fitting joe moorhead's offense i i think that question will be guaranteed to be answered this year we'll know how good the offense can be this year i think that question will for sure be answered
1: yeah and i mean you know we we talk about and we'll talk about tommy stevens and keaton thompson just for a moment because we didn't talk about him a ton early um But, you know, neither one of them has really played a ton. I mean, even, you know, Tommy Stevens kind of has a reputation as being, like, a better downfield passer, but if you look at their numbers compared with Keaton, like, neither one of them have played a lot. Neither one of them played a lot of significant snaps, and there's not a huge difference. I mean, uh, Stevens' numbers are a little bit better, but not, like, significantly better.
2: Yeah. I mean, when you look on paper, I mean, they weren't that much better, but... I mean, I think whoever uh, Moorhead chooses between the two, I mean, I, I would think Mississippi State fans will put all of their confidence in. I think, I mean, most are saying that. I mean, most are believing that Tommy Stevens will be the guy. But Keaton Thompson is a solid player, too. And at times he looked better than Fitzgerald last year. I think he was definitely a better passer than Fitzgerald. And he maybe all along he should have been the guy last year. But Fitzgerald had all the goodwill built up. He had been the two-year starter in Mullen's system. And he was a redshirt senior. He had been there. He would taken his, uh, you know – Battles through throughout. So, I mean, I think at that yeah. point you almost had he almost kind of like had to let him be the starter. Right. But now this is um you know more heads guys.
1: Right. He's gonna be able to make the decisions. So, I mean, you yeah. I mean, you have a senior quarterback who started for two years on a team that's expected to win. You know, you can't just come in and like be you know changing quarterbacks and stuff like that. Um, yeah. You know, but but what I'm saying is, I mean, well, a few different things. I mean, number one is like why. You know, if, if Nick Fitzgerald had to be the starter, then why did you ask him to do all the stuff that he couldn't do? And I think part of that is because Fitzgerald missed the spring, you know, because he, you know, wasn't, like, full go, like, at the beginning of practice. Like, he was suspended for the first game. They didn't really have, like, all that time to figure out, like, all right, what can he do, what can he do? It was kind of like they just kind of threw him straight into the fire and just kind of hoped, hoped that he would get better throughout the season, and he just never yeah. really did.
2: Exactly. I mean, I think if he had a full fall camp and even spring – you would hope that Moorhead would have had the logic to see that, you know, to, to mold his offense around uh, Nick Fitzgerald's yeah. strengths and I, I, his strengths. Obviously, it was uh, you know, the read option and the option and you know draws and being run oriented and you know pass second.
1: Right, and you know they also just need to get the the running backs more involved than they were last year, in my opinion. But uh, and then but you know just going back to Keaton real quick, uh, just before we wrap up, because I do want to talk about him just a little bit, because um. You know, I I think he's been doing well in fall camp this this year. Uh, coming into camp, I think most people expected Stevens to be the starter, um, and I, I think most people still do. I I think I went into fall camp thinking about you know ninety percent sure that Tommy Stevens would start. Now I'm maybe more like eighty, because um, apparently Keaton's been doing pretty well. Um, it's just I worry about Keaton just because number one, Fitzgerald was the guy last year and he was terrible, and at no point other than like one drive in the Texas a m game did more head let. Uh, Keaton play, even though Fitzgerald was really bad, and then he goes out, he tries to sign Kelly Bryant as well, so um, you know, it's just, I just feel like he wouldn't have done that if he really had all that faith in Keaton, you know, like trying to, you know, basically go out and sign other quarterbacks like, you know, you'd think that if he had confidence in him that he would have just, you know, stuck with Keaton.
2: Yeah, and I think safe fans should be pretty happy with um whoever um uh, joe moorhead picks i mean you gotta you gotta have the confidence in your coach that uh, whoever he picks is going to be the right guy and who, you can't go wrong with either one either either quarterback brings a lot to the table a lot of positives and i think that the season is going to surprise some people as uh, namely uh non-mississippi State fans i think a lot of mississippi State fans are expecting state to go back to just being that the mediocre you know team that's just barely in bowl contention you know I don't think that's going to be the case for Mississippi State. I still think they're going to be a really competitive team this year
1: yeah I agree and um, with that I guess we'll just go ahead and wrap it up thank you guys for tuning in to the Mississippi State preview Um, you know I could have honestly rambled about Mississippi State season last year for probably like another 30 minutes at least maybe another hour so try to save you guys from that and uh, we'll go ahead and get on about it here and you know what this uh, week is the last week that we have, that we don't have a football game to look forward to on Saturday, isn't that right? That is right, and uh, we also only have
2: like just a few previews left. All we got left after this one is, uh Georgia, Alabama, and Arkansas, and uh, those are that's just three left. And we got, like Holt said, we only have one uh, week until Florida Miami play. Then after that, we got the big uh, opening weekend, which is the weekend that is probably the biggest holiday in my opinion.
1: Yeah, I agree. And we will definitely be chilling in front of the couch all day for that. And uh, with that, we're just going to go ahead and get up out of here. And uh, you all have a good one. And don't be afraid to email us or tweet at us and tell us that we're awesome or that we say (laughs) I feel like too much or, you know, whatever you want. Just just give us a shout-out. What's up?
2: Yeah, I feel like you all should um, definitely uh, tweet at us. We'd like to hear that. But on that, I will uh, sign off. I am your uh, co-host. Mr. JB
1: underscore Brooks, Tender King of Memphis. That's right. And I'm Holt, aka Holt Smash eleven sixty six on Twitter. And uh, we'll see y'all next time. All right.
0: Thanks for tuning in to another outstanding episode of the SEC Slow Smoke Podcast. Be sure to rate us and subscribe on iTunes or your podcast app of choice. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at SEC Slow Smoked. Spread the good word on this podcast like the chili and cheese on your fries. If you like this podcast, tell a friend, because there's plenty to go around. Oh, yeah.